Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Darren Bronstetter, joined by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, who is one day away from traveling to New Jersey to call this uh, next Glory event. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a definitely a big one and a different one for me. I mean, this is fight week I'm doing from home this time, which is uh, different. Because when you think of fight week you get excited you get to meet the the fighters you get to talk to the coaches you know you get that in-person connection and the excitement of the event there but now being at home and zoom calls it's just not giving me that good feeling but uh our main event is you know Bader Hari I mean if you're not excited about that even as an MMA fan I have no idea you shouldn't even be watching combat sports if you're not excited about Bader Hari so I'm still excited still I'm going to enjoy it, obviously, and I haven't called fights since February, so this is going to be fun for me. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge, probably, because uh, you're you're out of, uh, you're, you're rusty, out of practice. Yeah, I know. I'm hoping my timing's on. I'm hoping things are good. I still hope, uh, remember, it takes a lot of practice to get those vocal cords nice and high for those right knockout moments, so um, I think I'll be good. I've been uh, talking a lot on YouTube and with you, so I'm pretty sure my my tongue will last me three hours. I'm pretty good. So what's the setup, though? You're going to be in a room with Todd Grisham, or is Grisham down there, or are you in separate rooms? No, me and Todd Grisham will be in a studio together in New Jersey, and then the fights will be happening in Holland. Okay. So we'll be calling it, because right now, again, Americans can't head over to Europe yet. They can't travel. So um, as a Canadian, I could have gone, but it doesn't make sense for me to be without Todd. It's better that our chemistry works beside each other. And we have one of our other reporters out there that'll be giving us behind the scenes, looks, backstage interviews. So you'll still get that full experience. Just, just sucks for me not to be ringside on, uh, one of the biggest fights in kickboxing. Right. So to me, it's just, I lose that feeling, the hearing, the excitement, the nerves, hearing Botter walk out. Like, those are the things you, you love about fight night. But, again, time of the year, I'll, I'll take anything I can right now. Is it an empty arena that they're doing it in, or are there going to be fans? No, empty arena. Even in Holland, the gyms have just shut down in Holland. So, I'm surprised and I'm happy and blessed that we can still run this show. Because now, all the gyms have had to lock down and shut down in Holland as well. So, good thing the guys got their training camp in. And will you be seen on camera from the studio? Yeah, they're gonna. There's gonna be the first hour. So on, on Eastern time, it's gonna be 2 p.m. Eastern time. We're doing an hour show that's that'll be free and live on YouTube. So it's gonna be Todd and I talking about the upcoming show, the fights, the, the how to jump on the pay per view. We have one prelim fight that Todd and I are gonna call this young, you know, this young killer who's really good, Yos Van Belzen. So he's gonna be fun to watch. Um, then after that, it's all about uh, the pay-per-view. Um, it's on uh, Canadians. We can get it on Fight. Uh, Fight, Fight is F-I-T-E. Fight Stream, oh, okay. I believe it's called. F-I-T-E. Yeah. Um, and they'll have the stream there. And then, uh, yeah, it'll be a heavyweight tournament. Uh, one fight I'd really watch out for is uh, Antonio Plazabot. And we have uh, one of the French fighters, Nordine Mahadine. That's one fight I'd watch for. And then the excitement of Cedric Dumbay. He's not taking on Myrtle Grunhardt like originally planned, but he's taking on actually one of my old opponents from Glory 11, Kareem Gaji. So still going to be an interesting fight. And then the main event, Badr Hari and Benjamin Attic Boy. So kickboxing fans are in for a little treat. Now, is Plazabot a human or a transformer? Uh, sounds a little bit of both, but what <laughs> makes him scary is he's actually uh, Badr Hari's main training partner. Okay. So the guy's, a, the guy's a savage, but he does sound like it. I'm just picturing like a he plaza like that it. turns into a robot, a Plazabot. Bot. Yeah. I'm going to ask him. That should be something along those lines. All right. Well, uh, anyhow, let's go from one pay-per-view to another. This past weekend, the final pay-per-view yep. of the year for uh, the UFC main event, 
Davis and Figueredo taking on Brandon Moreno, one of the fights of the year. Um, I, I, I think that you have to, of course, make an immediate rematch, but I thought that Davidson won the fight. I think that if you get rid of that point deduction, he wins that fight. And uh, I scored it a draw with the point deduction, so I, I do understand why it was a majority draw. Uh, yeah. But that said, I'm, I'm very excited to see the rematch. I think it's the fight to make. I think that the, this fight really put the uh, flyweight division back on the map. It had been off the map for a little while, and I think that a fight like this is the kind of thing that can elevate the entire division. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, the week before we talked about Vittori having this great fight. And I mean, this fight, you know, with Figueredo and Moreno, this is a fight that you get excited for. This is a fight that both guys laid it on there. Both guys were hungry. Both guys were willing to get knocked out if they had to for that win. The way they were exchanging shots, like that was an exciting fight. I mean, both guys really wanted it. Um, I just thought in my eyes, I mean, I agree with you with the draw and I do agree with the point deduction. I want to say that off now. I mean, we always have those issues of should we, or should we not? But I agree with that after that many point fouls, the way you saw Moreno on the ground screaming in pain like that, that to me was a a legit uh, point deduction and the draw. But again, I thought Figueredo was the better fighter. He was landing the better shots and, Am I overly excited to rematch? I don't love rematches, to be honest. That's just my personal opinion. But uh, a fight like that, I won't be opposed to watching it. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's not like there are a ton of other flyweight contenders. I mean, Cody Garbent was going to be next in line. He's never even fought at flyweight before. So uh, yeah. the division isn't exactly rife with challengers. Um, I do agree with the point deduction in that, that it was something you could have done. I think it's one of those ones where it's a judgment call by the referee. And I think either way, whether you deduct a point or not, I think that uh, I would have been okay with either of those outcomes, but I certainly think that given that Figueredo had done some other things earlier in the fight that uh, were a little bit suspect, that Grish- uh, sorry, not Grisham, Grisham's who you're calling the fight with, that uh, Jason Herzog yeah. uh, made the right call in terms of taking away uh, that point. So that, that was really what ended up being the, uh, the deciding factor in the fight, really. I mean, if that point is not deducted, then Figueredo wins that on the cards. But now I've heard... Uh journalists like Ariel Hawani mentioned one of the judges giving the fifth round yeah, gave Moreno to Moreno. Round. Yeah, I mentioned that right so, after the fight. So what do you what do your what's the, your take on that then? Well, I think so, it's an idiotic, it bad it's an idiotic scorecard. Bad judging. It's just bad judging, yeah. but bad judging is a part and of the that's sport. That's why it's a draw, though. Yeah, so, that's I mean, why it's so a we draw. We just got to take it for what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why it's a draw. The weird thing is they gave Figueredo the second round, which was a way closer round than the fifth round that Moreno, like decidedly lost i thought i don't i don't know what these judges are watching sometimes it's it's mind-boggling uh at times yeah. like that they that they're able to just get things so consistently wrong uh, that said i mean you can't say that it was a robbery or anything along those lines i think a lot of people thought this fight was a draw i saw some people even had it scored for moreno that i wouldn't have agreed with but uh i do yeah. think that that's a terrible scorecard i mean the fifth round moreno basically did nothing now i heard that figueredo was in the hospital beforehand do we have any insight on what happened or what was the issue apparently he had food poisoning this is the crazy part about oh. this he apparently had food poisoning and like couldn't keep anything down and, and had to get hospitalized so the question is a you can't use an iv so how do you rehydrate in that situation like i don't know what the protocol is for that and the other i think you can if you go to the hospital can you that's the only way you can if it's in a hospital they can iv you okay well i think i don't know if that's i, I don't know if that's the case but if that is the case then fine okay. but the other thing I don't get is, how did he look so much bigger than Moreno in the cage that day? Like, if he was just hospitalized, that he couldn't keep anything down, and he had food poisoning, usually you don't put on that much weight. He looked like he was 15 pounds yeah. more than Moreno in that fight. Like, Moreno's a legit flyweight. Yeah. Figueredo's a bantamweight. Like, he's a big boy for that division. 
And even when you've seen them on weigh-in, you've just seen that vascularity and how ripped Figueredo is compared to Moreno. Like Moreno just he even even on Wayne looked a little soft. He didn't look as ripped as you see like a Malcolm Gordon or, you know, like a Figueredo. So I mean, yeah, good question. If you're not holding in any water and you keep throwing and, you know, letting out fluids from both ends, I mean, I have no clue. So uh, my personal opinion is I think if you go into the hospital with needing medical help, I think then at that point you can get an IV. I think. I think. Yeah, Someone I, I has know. mentioned that to, to me USADA. in Vegas, so I'm not too sure. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a USADA thing, right? I know IVs are banned. But I guess if it's given by medical personnel, I don't know. I, I think it's one of the yeah. dumber things that, I, that USADA does, does, honestly, is banning IVs. I think that what should be done after every weigh-in is the UFC should administer IVs to all of the fighters and let them rehydrate using IVs. Because, like, optionally, if, they, if a fighter wants to use an IV, they can. And if not, they don't need to. But I think that if, if there's a time period where USADA... Or, or the, the commission or somebody, the UFC's personnel, if it's a monitored situation where they're getting an IV, it's a healthier way to replenish the system. And, it can, and if it can even alleviate brain damage by 0.1%, you do it. Yeah, but a lot of people say it's like the, why it goes, it's the bad thing is because fighters are encouraged to cut more weight if they know they have an IV. But I'm thinking if fighters are going to cut this weight anyways, we might as well let them do it safely and get back. So at least when they are fighting, we're not putting them in a compromised state. So right. I think it, so I don't get it. Yeah, I, so. I think that's the one thing about USADA. Well, uh, there are several things about USADA's protocols that I don't really agree with. But that one is the, the, by far the one that I agree with the least is the IV. And the reason why they uh, they banned them is because of cycling, basically, like uh, like when I say cycling, I don't mean cycling off of drugs, but like riding a bicycle, like Tour de France, pro cycling. They were using IVs really? to get to yeah to flush their systems out and flush like uh, banned substance out of their system, and they just brought it over to MMA for some reason. Well, there's a lot of things we need to keep changing, and I definitely think that's one of them. But I know a lot of the fighters. I believe it's in California. They will actually test fighters again, and it can't be over ten percent of their weigh-in weight or something yeah. like that, which I think that could be even more dangerous because guys who are cutting mm -hmm. all that weight now can't replenish to where they are healthy, and now they're already going in a little bit dehydrated. Like, most guys and most fighters in the UFC are probably put, cutting and putting back on minimum 10 pounds, minimum 10 pounds. And then when they rehydrate, they rehydrate anywhere from 15 to 20 pounds, and that's on average. So, I mean, a lot of these smaller weight classes, I don't think these guys can do it. Yeah, I think you raise a good point, but uh, they ignore the thing in California. Basically, what happens in California is if you're over 10% or whatever it is, basically they're like, this is a warning. Next time, next time you do it, we're going to recommend that you move down a weight class. Like they, they have got no it. sway over it. it. I, I get it, and I, li I like the fact that they published the fight night weights because I think it's interesting. It's interesting data, but it, I mean, it, I think it's more for, for show than anything else because the people, the fighters don't seem to adhere to it. And if they did implement a rule like that, you're going to see fighters cutting weight twice. Which you don't want to see, yeah. right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If I if I was another thing I would do if I was Usada, if you want to control weight cutting and all that, if a fighter has a bout lined up, you go to their house and you test them and you weigh them there and you collect data. Like they should be weighing the fighters when they're going to collect uh, samples, just for for the purpose of data. You can see how much people are cutting on average. You can see who's cutting healthy, who's not cutting healthy. Um, you can monitor these kind of things. Like I think that they could learn a lot from that kind of data, and I don't know why they don't collect it when they have people going to visit these fighters once every whatever month or two. Yeah, and I know the UFC at the Performance Institute, one of the things they do is they 
Um, they give them that DEXA scan so they can kind of see how much muscle versus fat and their bone density. And that this way they can at least with the nutritionists and the scientists on the team, they can make an educated opinion on what weight class they can be, which I think is smart. Because the time I went to the Performance Institute with Chad Dupree, Chad started as a, a lightweight and they felt, I think he only missed weight once. And then right away they recommended him to go to welterweight. But if you look at Chad, he's a very small welterweight. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not very tall, but still based on his scan. So when we went, we did a scan and they were like, well, yeah, you can make 155. But he was pushed right away into the welterweight division after missing weight once. But that could be something too. If you miss once, like you're forced to go in that other weight class. And that'll really make sure guys get it because if you're going into that heavier weight class, that's going to play with your mind a lot too for a lot of fighters. So, hey, you miss once, boom, you take a, a bigger fine and a bigger penalty. And two, maybe the next time you got to like go into a heavier weight class, which I mean, a lot of guys will make sure then at that point they make the weight because of the consequence is just as bad as financial to have to fight a weight class up. Yeah, well, one guy who consistently missed weight at featherweight and was forced into the lightweight division, Charles Oliveira. And man, when you, it, it was a sink or swim situation, I guess, for him. And uh, boy, did he swim. Co-main event, Charles yeah. Oliveira, Tony Ferguson. Do you think that this has more to say about Ferguson or more to say about Oliveira? I just think more about Oliveira, to be honest with you. I think... He wasn't getting the credit and for how good he really is and, and how long he's been and how much he's grown as, a, as an athlete, as a company man. Like That guy's been part of the UFC, it seems like, since the beginning. It seems like he's been a part of it for so long, big fights. I'm just finally happy to see someone like him get the credit and in, in a ranking where he deserves. But he dominated every aspect of that fight. I mean, just incredible from those takedowns to the striking to his, his ground, like, He's incredible, and I and I really hope that we uh, get to see him for a title shot in one or two fights, and I think he's on the way. He derailed my perfect night for TSN Edge. I picked Oliveira inside the distance in that arm bar. Inside. Five seconds more in the first round, I might have hit that one. But uh, I, yeah. I did get the other two picks correct, which is nice. But, uh, yeah, I thought that Oliveira was going to win that fight. I just thought he was going to do it inside the distance. I didn't think he was going to be able to win three rounds against Tony Ferguson, but boy, did he win three rounds against Tony Ferguson. I mean, the thing that impressed me most was how easily he was taking him down. I mean, this is a guy with a wrestling background, uh, and Oliveira yeah. is more of a jiu-jitsu, you know, grappler. But he was taking him down at will. Not, not just at will, but, like, emphatically taking him down. You know, lifting him up off the ground, yeah. dropping him, then getting control, going almost right into full mount sometimes. Oliveira's a... Uh, I, you know, I said this back in November of 2019. I tweeted out, I know he's nowhere near a title shot yet. Now, obviously, he is. But I think that Oliveira would pose a lot of really unique threats to Khabib Nurmagomedov. Because if Khabib was going to go take him down, Oliveira can wrap you up like a pretzel, man. Like, that guy has yep. all kinds of uh, crazy submissions. I would love to see that fight. And I think that uh, there's probably a 0% chance of that happening, unfortunately, at this point. Now, after watching this fight, does this take away any chance when you think back of the fights that Ferguson would have had with Khabib? And we all talked about maybe Ferguson being one of the toughest challenges for Khabib. But after seeing that performance, I mean, you would think that Khabib probably would have taken him down and held them down uh, at will. Yeah. And you know what? I was, I was actually thinking that the best example of that happening to Ferguson in the past was his fight with Danny Castillo. That was a long time ago. But if you watch the fight that he had with Danny Castillo, Castillo was able to take him down and hold him down. Ferguson managed to win that fight from doing a lot of stuff off bottom. But uh, for whatever reason, I, was always, I always thought that Ferguson was going to be able to pose some unique threats to Khabib. But I felt that as on the time... Back, right? Yeah, off of his back. But I felt that as the time continued to go, the older Ferguson got, the harder it was going to be for him to beat Khabib. So I, I guess we'll, we'll have to see. 
um, where he goes from here. I personally think he's going to move up to welterweight. I think that he'll end up, uh, you know, if he wants to be back in title contention yeah, somewhere, the welterweight will be the spot for him. He's talked about going up to welterweight in the past. Um, and, you know, a lot of people had said that, uh, you know, Dana White, even before that fight with Oliveira, said that he felt that Ferguson cutting weight for no reason. Remember that time he cut weight to make 155 yeah. for the day he was supposed to weigh in yeah. against Khabib? That that took a toll on his body. But I think ultimately, after this Oliveira fight, I think it's just either the skill level caught up with him, age caught up with him, the damage that he's taken in fights is caught up with him. But Khabib predicted it. He said the next person that Tony Ferguson faces is going to beat him, and Oliveira beat him handily. So when you originally asked me that question, if it was Oliveira doing well or is it the Ferguson on the decline, what's your answer to that then? I think it's Ferguson on the decline. And I, do, I think it's a bit of both. I, I mean, I think that Oliveira has shown that he's really grown as a fighter. So it's probably a little bit of both. I, I don't want to, but I think it's more Ferguson declining than it is Oliveira's um, ascent as a fighter, I think, or his evolution as a fighter. I think that Oliveira um, also just posed unique threats for Ferguson. I thought that he was, that was not a very good matchup for Ferguson. Uh, now, the, now the big question is where does this division go from here? Because you've got uh, Poirier taking on McGregor in the main event next month. That's already booked. Yep. But now you've got Gaethje, you've got Chandler. It looks like that fight might be made for that card, but Oliveira might end up being the odd man out here. Um, you might end up doing an Oliveira-Dan Hooker fight or something along those lines, but I'm not exactly sure where this guy goes from here. I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying the winner of Khabib, uh, sorry, not Khabib, Poirier and Connor could be the right fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, I mean, with, let, let's be honest, with all of this Corona stuff going on and all these fights, you know, bouncing, you got to think one of those four guys could easily have the virus and be out and, and be a good chance for Oliveira to step in. So I don't think it's crazy to have him ready to go for either of those fights. Yeah, just have him on standby. Although they wouldn't really need to if they're going to have Gaethje and uh, Chandler on that same card. They would kind of have a reserve, I guess, who like someone from that fight could step in and face Connor or, or Poirier or whatever ends up happening there. But looking back now, to me, it would almost have made sense to get Chandler and Oliveira to fight. I mean... I know a lot of guys in the division are kind of like, let him earn his spot. Like you're putting Chandler right in that top position, but a fight with someone like Oliveira would almost be like, hey, do you deserve to be in that top echelon of the division or should you need to kind of slow your roll down a bit? So looking back, I almost think Oliveira and Chandler would have been an awesome fight to kind of see where Chandler hangs in the division. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Although that said, Gaethje's kind of a fight like that for Chandler. Like, that's a sink or swim fight. Let's see if he belongs in that upper echelon. See how he fares against Gaethje. I think you could make that same case regardless of who you're talking about, right? Yeah. I I mean, I I have a good feeling Chandler's going to take that fight. I really do. I have a feeling he's got more tools... Yeah, yeah. I just have that feeling. I th- I feel he's got those uh, that wrestling behind him a little bit. And let's be honest, we Gaethje's we can't value his wrestling as much as we thought before. I mean, again, he's going against Khabib, but he hasn't been wrestling in so long. He's only focused on his striking. He's put his wrestling on the back burner right now. So until I see him wrestle well in a fight, I can't credit his grappling as being this high level collegiate wrestler so he's got to show me he can wrestle in a fight before i kind of give him that credit i think gaethje would be chandler i don't think that chandler would implement a wrestling game plan against gaethje i think i think it would be a brawl and i think that gaethje's power would would uh take chandler out i mean if chandler's getting knocked out by tricky pitbull i I would venture a guess that uh gaethje hits harder than pitbull but i might be wrong on that because pitbull hits pretty hard but uh but chandler just came off his last bellator was a big knockout wasn't it he knocked out ben henderson Mm -hmm. 
knocked out yeah. Ben Henderson. That would so, be a great fight. I mean, Chandler versus Gaethje is the fight to make. That's just fireworks. It's an easy an, an easy home run fight, especially if you're gonna have that right before uh, for uh, sorry Connor versus Poirier. Like that's as good a main and co-main event as you'll get. Yeah, because I, I feel that card needs something. When when they announced the card on the broadcast the other day, and I was looking at that main card of that pay-per-view, it looked really weak in my oh, eyes. Yeah. So I think it needs another big fight like that. I think but again, one. you can put anybody on mm-hmm. the Connor card, and right. it's going to sell and do well. And I think that's they know that, so they kind of want to save their bigger fights. But that card deserves a solid you know, co-main event. And if you put another lightweight fight there like that, I think it's perfect. It kind of creates that tournament-looking format to see who the top are. So it could be fun to have them both on the same night. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a, that's a great point. Um, this coming weekend, I just uh, spoke to your buddy Rob Font today. I spoke to Jeff Neal today. Hey. I'm getting excited for this event. It's the last one of the year, which is kind of sad. Four weeks without the UFC. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah, I don't know. What are we going to do? Okay. Maybe get a haircut now that your hair is getting long, uh, too. I don't know. Right now, the numbers are going up everywhere, man. I, I might I oh, might forego I, the haircut. I might let it grow for another I four weeks. See what like it looks it. like. You like it like this? I need one. I'm actually liking it. It's growing. Yeah, I'm it's, liking it. It's it's different. It's, it's nice. It's a different look. I'm getting used to it. There you I got go. more grays like than it. I used to have, which is the problem. But uh, oh, me too. That's why I still gotta go short on the sides. Yeah, you gotta go just for men, Joe. That's it. Yeah, That's just, the just trick. It, yeah. Some some Rogaine and just for men as <laughs> I'm working on now. You don't need Rogaine. You've got a, a lush, fantastic head of hair, so you don't need to worry. But about I mean, I I want preventative. Oh, preventative. preventative yeah. stuff. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Eventually, it's gonna go. Let me hold on to is it. Is your dad bald? Uh, well, he's in his seventies now, so he still has some hair. There you go. So you're probably. But okay. everybody's saying it comes from the mother side. And I don't know if that's true or not. Did but... your grandfather uh, on your mom's side have hair? They look very similar as my dad. I mean, they go balding through here a little bit on the the crowns a bit, but you should be okay. I don't know. Yeah, that's I like my so. dad. My dad's the same way. It's the crowns. Uh, all right, main event: yeah. Jeff Neal, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Thompson was the uh, favorite for some time, and now Neal has flipped and become the favorite in this fight. He's a minus one twenty favorite. Uh, this is an interesting one because um, you know Wonderboy, I think, poses unique challenges for just about anybody in uh, the UFC welterweight division. But uh, Neal does have that crazy power. Yeah, Neal has the the game plan to do it. I mean, he likes to come forward. He likes to pressure. Once he puts his hands on you, it's dangerous. But when you look at Wonderboy Thompson, that's the karate master you know that's the martial arts master and when we look at stand-up fighting if anyone thinks about oh who are the best strikers in the ufc boom wonder boy thompson is probably the one of the names that pops up so the unorthodox the side stance the the being able to blitz in and out the distance management of, of stephen thompson it's going to be a tough fight and neil will probably have to eat a shot to give a shot but he has that mentality and that the warrior spirit that'll allow him to do it so I mean, I think this fight is a pick 'em. I think it's how it is. Uh, I mean, right now in the air, it's a toss-up. I haven't seen great things. And my last memory of Wonderboy Thompson is, I believe, getting knocked out by Pettis. I think he's fought twice since then, hasn't he? He beat Luke last time. Maybe, See, maybe I don't even – that doesn't even stick into my yeah. head. So all I remember is him losing to Pettis. So we'll see. I mean, great fight, great matchup. I think this is a great time for Neil to, I think in those top of the, that, that division kind of needs a little bit of change, a little bit of spark. And I think Neil can be that spark. Now I asked Jeff Neil if he had watched your video, the how to beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson video. And he, he had watched it, but he said he's, he, he was questioning you a little bit, Joe. He said, I don't know if the technique okay. that Joe used in the fight with the shelling, like in kickboxing is going to translate to MMA. Well, we're going to have to find <laughs> out. He was it's just that the question for him is he doesn't know how to use the shell properly. 
And again, how else are you going to close distance, Neil? Do I have to go through a whole video on explaining this for you now? But uh, no, <laughs> just I, put, he out, is just right put out now. another video, part two. Yeah. <laughs> how to be one boy? Here's how the shell defense works part in MMA. Two. I just think I'm like, man, I'm like. Poor Stephen Thompson must hate me. I'm like, he must think I'm out there to like get him beat all the time. But he's such a nice, friendly guy. He'd probably smile and laugh. So I don't know how he thinks. Should I ask him? Me. I'm gonna ask him in 30 minutes if he's watched the video, the How to Beat Wonderboy Thompson video. Sure, yeah. I'm gonna it. ask him. I'm, I'm talking to him in about in about an hour, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring yeah, that up. Let with me him. hear it. There's a video on the to internet say, hey, called How to Beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah. Have you watched it? Yeah, don't mention it's me. He'll probably know yeah. that bazooka guy. Ah, oh, that guy. And just say, hey, I'm mortal enemy from kickboxing. He'll say it with say, smile. Hey, I even talked to Pettis. He said he watched that fight, and that's the way he beat you. That's the game plan. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe yeah. you should uh, ask that the guy to take that video down. I asked uh, Jeff Neal if he had spoken to Anthony Pettis to maybe get some points of strategy. He was like, no, I haven't. And then, like, about a minute after I'd asked that question, I was like, Pettis is fighting his teammate, isn't he? Yes, he is. Pettis is fighting Alex Morono, who's a teammate of Jeff Neal. So Jeff Neal is probably not going to go pick the brain of uh, Anthony Pettis this week. It might not oh, be a good look. No. Well, Pettis is fighting, too, this weekend, so... I'm sure they'll be running into each other. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be... Well, I mean, when they run into each other, I'm sure it's going to be all love. I'm sure that Wonderboy doesn't hold it against them. Wonderboy... I saw Wonderboy did an interview. He's like, eh, if I get knocked out, yeah, it's happened to me once before. It's not that bad. It's not, not a big deal. Wonderboy just shrugs, yeah, shrugs yeah. everything off. Ah, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, I get knocked out. I wake up. I forget it anyway. I'm kind of curious to ask him about that because I don't, I don't... I believe he's said that he never has gotten knocked out before that. That was like the only time he's been knocked out. Is like, now that that's happened, are you willing to, fa- to fight a little bit like less cautiously knowing that maybe it's not all that bad? That, like you said, I, I'm curious about that. Mm-hmm. I want to know what his opinion is on that. And, and he's getting up there in age. Yeah, he's, he's almost not a, a spring chicken anymore, which is uh, still incredible. He still looks really young and obviously he's in shape and has been training his whole life. So that's uh, got to be a little factor too. I mean, Jeff Neal can't be too young either. I'm sure he's low 30s, I'm guessing. Neal is, I think I saw that Neal was 30. And uh, Wonderboy Wonder Boy's turning 38 uh, early next year. Very young 38. So uh, yeah, being being a 38-year-old myself, I know from experience how very young that is. So uh, that, There you that, go. That, yeah, yeah, you both look young. Yeah, I, I, I can barely like get up from my seat because my knees are so old. And yet you see Wonderboy <laughs> doing all this like karate stuff. I, Just sidekicking everybody. Yeah. Uh, Jose Aldo back in action, bantamweight division again against Cheeto Vera. That should be a uh, a very interesting one because it'll tell us a lot about where Aldo's at right now. Cheeto Vera is the type of guy that you you would think Aldo could beat. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, Cheeto looked pretty good against uh, Sean O'Malley there last time. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, this fight kind of sprung up on me. I don't think many people were talking about it. To me, it always comes down to what Jose Aldo we're going to see. Do we see that old vicious savage that we used to? Sometimes he plays it so cautious, you know, so I think it all depends on Aldo. But I, I have a good feeling Cheeto could really pull this one out. I, if I had to, a gut feeling like and if I could think about it, Cheeto by decision could be a a good pick. Yeah, three-round fight. I don't know when the last time Aldo lost a three-round fight was. Uh, I guess it would have been against Marlon Moraes, technically. I think, that's the, I think that might be the only three-round fight that he's ever lost. And uh, speaking of Marlon Moraes, he's on the card against uh, your boy, Rob Font. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, I spoke to Rob earlier today, and uh, he basically got a full knee replacement this year. So he's been rehabbing that. Uh, he said he got up to 168 pounds, I think he says was the heaviest that he Ooh. got. So, uh, you know, he was looking big. I, when I interviewed uh, Calvin Cater, Rob was on, in on that interview, and Calvin referred to him as being COVID weight. 
So uh, yeah, he was out up to about 160, 165, 170 pounds. So he's he's back but down. It, he says he's in his you know about 145 right now, ready to cut weight. Yeah, just a, it's a scary fight for him. I mean, you got to think as uh, Marlon, big power kicker, Rob hurting his knee. Like, is he able to take the big shots off the leg kicks? You know how much power Marlon has. Um, Rob, you know, lower rank. Marlon's ranked number three. He's top of the division. I mean, this is a, a fight that shows Rob's skill. But just like Rob, I feel just like Calvin. They got that good concept of distance and and understanding range. So I think he he could weather that early storm. And I I can get I can see Rob pulling off a good decision win here. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one for sure to see where both these guys are at. I mean, Rob coming off that injury, Marlon Rice coming off two straight losses. Uh, that'll tell us a lot about both of them. Uh, and of course, the fight that I think. Uh, I'm looking most forward to Michelle Pereira versus Chaos Williams. That's going to be an amazing yeah. fight. I can't wait yeah. to see how that one goes. Yeah, I was going down the list as you're talking about it, and then I saw you jump to Rob Font. I was like, you're not missing that fight. No, no, Aaron, I went back. Come on, you got to talk about I just that. had a good segue. Good. When I have a good okay. segue, I'm going to use it. Okay, I was like, he's not going to talk about this fight out of all of them? I was like, that's the one I'm probably most excited for. But yeah unpredictable i mean a lot of people i think chaos williams is gonna is a pretty heavy favorite in this on this fight which uh maybe not he's heavy, the underdog but he is a favorite he's the underdog is he yeah Pereira minus oh, 130 listen, chaos plus 110 oh, i listened to a podcast and they said williams was the favorite so which podcast was that must throw them under the bus i can't remember i've listened <laughs> to too many now i listen to too many i'm in the same boat i listen to way too many podcasts which ones do you listen to? What's, what's your weekly rotation of MMA podcasts? Or are there kickboxing podcasts you listen to or no? No, no. I, uh, no, no kickboxing ones at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ones I usually peek through is uh, I like Luke Thomas. He's uh, very insightful, gets pretty deep. I'll always listen to DC and Hawani. Um, I'll check out Brandon Schaub's Below the Belt. Uh, I would say those are my main three. And then the rest comes off of YouTube. Usually when uh, on YouTube, I'll check out uh, Chael Sonnen once in a while. That that pops up. And then some of the other journalists that uh, literally some of their interviews. What's uh, what's the one guy in uh, uh, his podcast called What the Heck? Oh, yeah, Something Mike Heck. Heck. Mike Heck, yeah. Mike Heck, yeah. He's got a good one. He's got some good interviews once in a while. Brett Okamoto will put some uh, YouTube interviews, even though we still have that beef from last episode that I <laughs> talked about. But uh, no, I mean, usually, but the main ones will be between uh, Luke Thomas and Ariel and then Brandon uh, Schaub once a week. But Brandon Schaub's not for as much news. It's just more for, I like his little bit of boxing, a little bit of fight world talk, just to give me a, another perspective. That's oh, you listen to like Morning it. Combat? Morning Combat, they delve into boxing a lot. Yeah, no, I listen to it. That's where I see uh, Luke Thomas a lot. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. There I, you uh, go. I uh, I like listening to those ones uh, and as well as many other ones. I listen to way too many. Uh, do you do you listen to the fast speed like I do? Have you started getting into that yet? One point five, one point seven five speed. See, like that? I I did that before, but I stopped. Uh, I I did that all when I listened to the podcast app. But I stopped uh, listening to the podcast app. I go through YouTube. YouTube now. has. Speed. I have YouTube Premium. Really? Yeah, you can speed okay. it up. That's what but I then do. I watch YouTube the video Premium now. But I watch the video. Now. Doesn't matter. I have YouTube Premium. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So then I just have to see faster images. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. I watch okay. I watch UFC Countdown, uh, not Countdown. Yeah, Countdown and UFC Embedded in like a faster motion, even though that's like full video. It's not even interviews. There's like yeah. stuff going on. But uh, I like those, but they're getting too much of the same now. Those countdowns now, there's not like I mean, I feel this. It's a 45 minute show, but the whole lead up, the whole talking, it's all of like too much. It's not enough on the guys training, the guys talking. It's become more of like this is their old fights. This is how they got there. It's like we know all this. 
We've seen a million videos of this. I want to see their training. How are they preparing for it? Interviews. I want to see their families. I want to see the behind the scenes. I know what they did in the ring. You're not giving me that. Right, yeah. You're basically so, watching a recap. You, you know how the fight was Yeah, I know how it goes. So you're but not I think, giving me I think the premise of the, the point of that show is like if they have it on TV, like if it's on ESPN or TSN here in Canada, they want somebody to tune into it that doesn't know what's going on. Like I think that that's who they design it for is like people that are going to cool. see that show and say, this is interesting. What an interesting story. I'm, I want to see what happens with this guy. Yeah, maybe. But I'm not, they're losing my interest, that's for sure. <laughs> you're off. You're, you're out. That's it. I'll still watch it. I'm still watching it. Anything so else you? catch your eye on, uh, on this card? You got Greg Hardy, Marcin Tybura, uh, Jillian Robertson, Tyler uh, Santos. I'm interested in that one as well. Uh, Pettis versus uh, Morono is a good one. Lots, lots, of, uh, lots of fantastic fights. On this weekend's card, a good way to end the year with so many different fights. I think there's 14 now. One, one of them got uh, p- uh, postponed, I guess, or scrapped. With Bilal mm-hmm. Muhammad uh, came out and said, "Oh that he had COVID-19, yeah." So his fight oh, is uh, with Diego Lima's out, but everything else is still still good to go as of right now. As of yeah, one I'm day always going to be, I'm always going to be interested in watching Amin Zahabi. Just a nice, friendly guy like him. So just a big supporter of him. Um, and I believe that. Uh, the, the win fight versus how is it Arroyo? Yeah, Antonio Arroyo. He's uh, I believe he was the kickboxer, isn't he? I believe he was a good kickboxer in his last. Uh, no, I, I know wins the wrestler with oh, DC yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, Arroyo's uh, but, uh, tall, Arroyo. tall, good striker. His last fight, I believe, he won by knockout, but there was something I didn't like. I mean, it could be confusing him with someone. He fought else, Eric. Oh, no, that Eric Anders fight, fight got postponed. I think he he fought Andre Munez. I think and he lost that fight, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so thinking, thinking someone of different. someone different then. Okay. Yeah, but looks exactly the same. Tall, good kickboxer. I was like, why would they put this good kickboxer against, uh, you know, a top wrestler like uh, Wynn? So, but okay, totally misthinking. Wynn's wrestling that, uh, hasn't been that effective so far in his UFC career. It seems like people are able to stuff his takedowns. I mean, he didn't look impressive his last few fights. To me, he just looks... He's it looks weird to me. Like, he's too small. He's five, exactly. Five. He's just too small. Guys whipping these uppercuts. It looks scary. I feel like he's going to get hurt really bad. I mean, I just feel he's got to lose some weight, get down. He's just small. Like, he's two inches smaller than me and has your frame. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. He's, <laughs> and this, this is apparently a catch weight, but he's usually fighting at what? 205? Is it a catch weight? Or 185. Well, that's how the UFC has it as a catch weight belt. So what, probably 195. He usually fights at 185. But he missed weight oh, last oh, time. It's even worse now. I I mean, I just think he's too small. It, it just looks funny to me. I don't know. just looks different. Yeah. And he, I believe now he's what? 0-2 or is he 1-1? One one? No, I think he... Let me look. Let me look at his... So he's had four, he lost four UFC fights. One. He beat Eric Spicely. That was a close decision. And then he lost to Darren Stewart and lost to Mearshart. So I think he's 1-2. Yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of him training with DC brought him a lot of hype, and DC's training partner DC talked a lot about him. But uh, I don't think he's performing as much. I mean, it just maybe needs some time to get used to the MMA rule set. Well, we'll see how if he's uh, able to evolve a little bit more and beat Antonio Arroyo. I think it's a good level matchup for him. It's the kind of fight that he needs right now. I think maybe he was facing guys that were a little bit uh, too good for him at that stage of his career. Interesting interview that Dana White did with uh, BT Sport. Uh, mentioned to Caroline Pierce, who interviewed him, that uh, Zhang Veili likely is going to face Carla Esparza next for the women's strawweight title, that Rose Namajunas doesn't okay. want to fight for the title. That was a, a big surprise for me because, A, you've got Yan Xiaonan, who's ranked ahead of 
Rose, so uh, sorry, not Rosa Esparza, who I think they probably want to have that fight in China at some point. Like they probably want to build yeah, up to China, that one. China so I kind of get that one. Sure. But why not just give Joanna the rematch? Like that that fight was the fight of the year. It was a close fight. I don't know if Joanna just doesn't want it, but from what I've seen, I think she's back in Florida training. Yeah, I just maybe think the the matchmakers are like me. I, I mean, I don't love rematches right away. I don't. I love fresh matchups. I, I like the storyline to build a little bit. Um, I don't mind seeing a difference in opponents because I think we'll see the fight with Joanna again. We'll see the Rose fight again. Those will all be there. So, but yeah, it makes sense to to have the China versus China. But who knows? Who knows what's going on? But I don't love rematches. I don't love rematches. Yeah, well, I, rematches make sense when there's a draw like this past weekend. But I guess when you have the champion yeah. retaining the title, hmm, but it was just yeah. such a good fight. I'd love to see it run back again. I don't. Yeah. I just don't know who Joanna's going to want to face short of the champion. Like, a fight between her and Yan Xiaonan would be good, but then you're risking that fight of the two Chinese fighters, which I think has a lot yeah. of marketability. Like, they're by far the two highest-ranked Chinese fighters in the entire UFC, and they happen to be in the same division. And there's just no talk about why Rose didn't want to take the fight yet, or... No, I, he just said that she didn't want to fight for the title. I know she didn't enjoy being champion, particularly. She felt that the responsibilities of it were a little bit too much. Yeah. She seems to be on this nice little, like, spiritual, mental... I don't know. She just seems to be in her own little world and bubble, and I kind of like it. She's not forced to do things. She she sticks to herself, and she's got a, a good mind to her. She's I feel like she's got a good uh, spirit and energy surrounding her. The other big news from this past week, Yoel Romero joins Bellator. Apparently they weren't interested in him initially and then became interested in him. Uh, I think they've got to do a light heavyweight <laughs> Grand Prix. If, if he's going to be fighting exactly. at light heavyweight, you got too many good names in that division to not do that. Yeah, I mean, the first one you think of is Anderson, Corey Anderson. Mm-hmm. Fun fight. Yeah. But that's it. If UL is going to go to 205, which I think he would. He said he is going to. I mean, at this point, for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's uh, the perfect setup match there. Um, and with Rumble Johnson, right? Those uh, We just need a fourth now. There's that, no, no, you do, who, you do, you do I, eight. I don't know his name. You do eight. I think you do eight. I think you, I think you get a hat. You draw them. You've got Vadim Nemkov, the champions in it. You've got Ryan Bader in it. kickboxing. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Bader's in it. The way they've been doing the tournament so far, where you have the champion in yeah. the tournament, the champion, the tournament fights yeah. are all five rounds. I think you've got to do it that way, and I think you look at it, you got, so you've got Linton Vassal. You put Linton Vassal in it. You put uh, Bader. You put Vadim Nemkov, Anthony Johnson, yep. Yoel Romero, Corey Anderson, so that's six. Um, you've also got, like, Liam McGeary's in the division, uh, and I'm sure there's some others that I'm just forgetting off the top of my head that... Uh, you know they could probably put into that as well. Like there, there's, I almost would like at least eight good one guys. fight at 185. Yeah, I almost would like one fight at middleweight for who? Yoel Musasi maybe. Yeah, you know you put Musasi in the tournament. I think you put Musasi in that tournament. Yeah, Musasi fought at 205 before. Yeah, and Musasi already fought two guys in lighter weights. Let him try now and go up in exactly. weight. Middleweight division that would is a wasteland there anyways in, in Bellator. Have him move up too. I that's that's what I would do if if I was going to be doing that uh, kind of tournament. That, those are the matches. Yeah, it makes sense. Throw those guys in. It seemed to have been a successful format. Yeah, that would be amazing. I think you could do. Uh, just think of any matchup. You pull them out of a hat. You got great matchups across the board, no matter who gets drawn. Uh, and I think that that would be uh, a good way for them to showcase a division that might be up there with the UFC's 205 division now. If John Jones is not in that division, yeah. I mean, usually when Bellator said they have a better division, I'm skeptical. They might be right this time. They might actually have the better division. Yeah, and who wins that tournament in your eyes? Rumble. Yeah, I would think Corey Anderson. Maybe his wrestling. Maybe, 
But uh, Corey, Corey Anderson, Anderson also doesn't have the best chin. <laughs> and, yeah. And if you're, so who knows? That's why it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. And then you've I got Yoel, who's got like a granite like chin. Francis. Yeah. To me, Rumble Johnson reminds me of like a Francis Nagano. Just yeah. big, strong, power, stiff, scary, like touches you and it's over. Like he's got that fear to me, like the, the Nagano. Yeah, not to mention that in a tournament, if you've got a guy that's knocking everybody out in the first round, they're going to be fresher when the uh, the tournament comes to its conclusion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, these MMA guys have the luxury of, you know, months off between fights. Kickboxers, the yeah. heavyweights used to do eight in a night. What's this over a That's year crazy. kind of stuff? But I like Let's the over the year. I like, do it they, in one I like that they do it this way. I think that it's worked really well for them. I think that... I, I agree with it, too. I've been actually trying to get Glory to do more of these things because I think it's beneficial. It creates a storyline. Instead of just putting a random fight, hey, this is the finals to a tournament we had back there, like, you create storylines within the storyline, and I think it just helps keep the, the, the viewers engaged. Yeah, and I like that they have the champions in it. I think that that adds a lot yeah. to it. Yeah, that was the one problem with Glory is like we've always had these problems getting champions. But if the champion's in the tournament and they still get their fighter pay and their championship pay after each fight, why not? Uh, so, so, yeah, no, I agree with it. Well, before we wrap, I did a, a roundtable with uh, Sean Alshadi of The Athletic, Mark Raimondi of ESPN, um, Brian Campbell of CBS, and Mike Bond of MMA Junkie. And we, we broke down our awards, you know, fighter of the year, fight of the year, all of that kind of thing. Who's going to be champion at this time next year? I encourage everybody to check that out on uh, the podcast stream. Uh, and uh, But before we wrap, Joe, this is going to be our last podcast of the year, I would imagine, unless we do a recap next week of some sort. What? Uh, who's your fighter of the year? Do you have a fighter of the year in the UFC? Um, I'm going to go with a fighter who's entertained me the most, a fighter who... I just had fun watching, and my fighter, it's between two, to be honest with you. It's between Figueredo and Holland. Um, I had, I realized, I mean, there could be a better fighter, skillful, but, I mean, a fighter of the year has to me, has to entertain me. I'm who I'm excited to watch in the new year, and it's those two guys. Mm -hmm. um, if I really, like, what, I was so excited before even Kevin Holland fought. I was hoping he would win to hear the post-fight interview. So, like, he's got me engaged. Mm -hmm. He has me, all his wins, five wins in seven months, how talkative it is, how confident he is, the finishes he's getting. Are they at the top in world titles? No, but he's taking every fight. He's not saying no to any of them. He'll, he'll fight anyone, anytime. That's a guy who stepped up during the pandemic. I'm excited to watch him next year. So, to me, him or Figueredo have to get it. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good point. And uh, when we had the conversation, those were the two names that kept coming up. One name that came up that a lot of people aren't talking about that I thought was a great point uh, that Brian Campbell brought up, Jan Bojovic. If you would have told me, a yeah. year, if I would have told you a year ago, John Jones is yeah. not going to be the champion at the end of next year. He's going to vacate it or whatever. You have to pick who the champion is going to be. Would Jan Bojovic have even been in your mind as a guy that would be nope. like, not even close? So you got to you got to think of it that way. He's only had two wins in 2020. Yeah. It's not quite the resume that these other guys have. But if you look at Figueredo, missed weight for the first win against Benavidez. While it's still a win, it's not a not a title. It's not a win in a title fight. It was a non-title fight for him technically. A draw in the last one. So he's only got two wins in title fights where he won the championship, one one defense. Whereas Bojovic fought twice. One was a title fight. Uh, and it was a title fight where I think most people expected him to lose. Nobody expected him to be, become the champion. I think you can make a case that he should be in the conversation. Yeah. So did you guys have a community winner? 
No, we, we each just gave our pick. We, we didn't. It wasn't a terrific consensus. We kind of just gave our pick. Okay. I think that Figueredo got more votes, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Did anyone go to Kevin Holland? Yeah, it was it was either either Holland or Figueredo, and then Brian Campbell mentioned that uh, Jan Bojovic should be in the conversation, and I, I agree with that. So who was yours? Mine was Figueredo. Who was your pick? Mine was okay. Figueredo, just because it's it's at the it's at the championship level. He's fighting the best guys in the yeah. division. He's really helped bring the division yeah. back to prominence. I think that he yeah, is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think you can make a case for either of them, honestly. But technically, Holland didn't face the ranked guy this year. He, I mean, Jacare would have been ranked had he not moved up to light heavyweight previously. So that's kind of a asterisk. But uh, yeah, he he uh, he didn't really fight a ranked fighter. Yeah, I just I like them because one, I'm excited. Like I am legit. I mean, now with all the fights, I'm, there's not many fighters that I'm overly excited to watch, but he's he sparked my interest. He's got my attention. I just think how fun his personality is. I think he's going to be great for the sport. I like him. So I think 2021, uh, hopefully we see more and bigger fights out of him. All right, and last question for you. we got Christmas coming up. If I were to give you a box, and inside that box was any mm-hmm. fight next year, what would it be? Any fight next year. I'm going to say my fight of next year of any fight I could see. It can be anything. Anybody. It doesn't anything. have anything that's okay. messed up right now. Your dream fight for John. 20- I got it. John Jones, Francis Nagano. All right. That was mine too. We, we talked about that. Was it? On, uh, we talked really? about that on the show. Yeah. That's, my, that's the fight I want to see. A lot of people want to see John versus Izzy. I think John versus Francis is a more intriguing no, fight. No, John, John, Francis. Yeah, I'm with you. Or I was going to say Khabib GSP because I kind of just too. to see GSP back. I'm just excited. Just to that excitement. GSP back. Can you do it? Like, that would be fun. But right off the line, a clear winner for me has got to be Francis John Jones. And where does Connor versus Jake Paul in boxing rank for you? How, how high? I don't know. That's pretty exciting. The amount of money that <laughs> they're, they're throwing around is insane. But that's, the, that's where things are going. I, I mean, I thought uh jake paul which is jake paul the one fighting connor i'm uh, confused with the no, brothers Logan paul's fighting floyd and jake paul just beat nate robinson okay so J- jake paul's little fight promo to connor i think he totally crossed the lines the stuff he's saying about connor's wife his instagram he un- he stopped following anyone and the only person he's following is connor's wife like he has one follower and his one follower is connor's wife so he's playing games he's bringing all of this I mean, that's how you sell fights. That's the way Connor sold the, the Floyd Mayweather fight. So I, knowing Connor, he's probably in on this because he's probably going to accept it to create more attention than the master mindsets they are. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm even hearing questions. People are asking me questions on Jake Paul fighting Amanda Nunez now. I was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are just – yeah, people are like, what would happen? I got that asked to me. What would happen if – you know, Jake Paul fought Amanda Nunez. I was like, why are we even thinking about these hypotheticals? And now Jake Paul's throwing water balloons at Dylan Dennis. Like, it's gotten crazy. Well, well give control, him this. People are talking I'm about it. it. People are talking about People it. People are working. People are talking yeah, about it. He knows, so. how, he knows how to draw attention, that's for sure. Apparently, he wants to face a uh, former glory kickboxing champion, from what I understand. Hey, sign me up. <laughs> I would love it. What would be the lowest amount you'd accept in order to take that uh, that fight? A boxing match with Jake Paul. Probably a hundred grand. Hundred grand. I think you could. I think you lowest? could. I think you could. If if you did it for free, I think you could at least get a lot of good publicity off of it. That would be worth your yeah, worth I, the money to raise your brand. Let's be honest. I fought a lot of times for free. My <laughs> whole career, up and coming, was for free. So I'm only fighting a guy with two fights. I was fighting guys for peanuts that had a hundred professional <laughs> fights. So I think I can handle one guy with two. I mean, I would love it, but I mean, even again, 
I get uh, he's he's all about social media following. He ripped. He was ripping Dustin Poirier that his dog had more followers than Dustin Poirier. So my 75, 76,000, I'm sure ain't going to be as big enough when his dog had 1.5 million. So I don't think he's looking at me yet. So I got to yeah, talk it's, some it's, crap. He's, really he's not really concerned about the talent level. He's concerned about the clout level. That's kind of where he's That's at. That's it. Yeah, he knows I'll knock him out. Come on. Well, he don't want think, this. Think, he doesn't want this heat. I think we all do. We all know what would happen in that fight. I'm trying to talk trash now. Maybe this part goes viral of our video, and that's it. <laughs> All right, Joe. Zuka Joe talking crap. Happy New you Year. You got to be my hype man, Aaron. I, I'll, I'm down with it. I'll, send, I'll drop into uh, his DMs and say this guy, Joe Valvolini, says he would yeah, destroy you inside a round. You got the connections, you know, Dana White. You're having all these interviews with Dana White and this. Drop my name in there. I don't think Dana so. White wants to get into the Jake Paul business. I'll, just, I'll tell you that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, when he makes a percentage of Connor's purse, he's going to like it. Uh, fa- yeah, fair enough. If you see if you see the dollar signs involved, then maybe, yeah. maybe it's interesting, uh, interested in there getting into that go. business. All right. Well, Happy New Year to you, Joe. Uh, we'll probably see you right, in 2021. Man. Enjoy uh, calling Glory. How can people see Glory yeah. if they're in Canada for this uh, this coming event? And what day is it? Yeah, it's going to be on. Uh, it's going to be on the stream. It's on Fight Stream. Uh, F I T E. So F-I-T-E. they'll have a stream TV. there. FITE.tv. What day of the week and, is it? Uh, it's going to be on this Saturday, December 19th. And you got to remember, the show airs live in Holland. So it'll be afternoon here in North America. So 2 p.m. Eastern Time, YouTube. It'll be 2 to 3. Hear me and Todd go off. And then from there, it'll give you all the links, all the instructions on how to uh, get the pay-per-view. It's actually only fourteen ninety nine uh, to get this pay-per-view. So let's jump on it. The more you guys jump on and support it, just means more kickboxing in 2021. Wow. So let's keep this going. I know we've been on for a while, Joe, because it's now dark in your condo. So it was, it was light when we started, it and now it's dark. Just dark. <laughs> yeah, the darkness has come. All right. I'll see you next year, Joe. We'll see you next year, buddy.